The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me. Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Water Podcast. Spring training is nearly upon us. Adam, truck day was this week. As you listen to this, we are a week from the first workout for pitchers and catchers down in Phoenix for the Milwaukee Brewers. And uh, there's been some more action since the action-packed news of last week. And we're here to talk about it, break it all down, give our thoughts and opinions great to be here with you adam every time i speak to you uh you renew my love for the sport of baseball how you doing i'm doing well um that's a nice thing for you to say i i do personally love baseball i miss it i'm glad it's almost back i'm i don't know maybe everyone doesn't seem to be on this wavelength i guess we haven't talked a lot about that and i don't know if we need to talk too much about it but certainly our reaction to the trade was different to a lot of people's at least the initial reaction maybe part of that was the emotional wrench of you know a long-tenured fan favorite former Cy Young winner like Corbin Burns being traded away um but I'm kind of excited about what the Brewers have cooking excited to see it in action I think this season will be better than a lot of people expect and even if they take a step back, it'll be in a way where it's not like uninteresting. It's not dull. We're not just watching mediocre journeymen go out there and, you know, lead a team to, I don't know, turd in the division. Instead, it will be, this might be the lowest ebb for an exciting new era of Brewers baseball. At least, Andrew, that's how I'm trying to view what comes ahead this season. Yeah, I think we definitely came out on the more optimistic side than most people, which is, I don't know if it's a complete change from where we normally are, but I think something like... I think Josh I think it's consistent, right, with, with our... Like, if you wanted to go back to that somewhat, I think our, our position in terms of where we felt moves should be, and then probably a point where we accepted it's time for a change of some things. And, yeah, we're just ready to kind of move in the direction. It's not, it's not like it's a new direction. It's like the Brewers are already kind of set up for that. 
would be the way that maybe I'd put it. And we're just like, yeah, take the step in that direction you've laid out for yourself. Yeah, and I think we just made our piece with how this team is run and what they need to to do to string together different competitive windows. And so while, I mean, the the way that you would hear it on like national baseball podcasts I've listened to in the last week is like, this is a fair return for the Brewers, but it, it kind of sucks to see your ace walk out the door. But we've been mentally preparing ourselves for this for a year or more. And we know that just this is just part of the game. You got to send Corbin Burns for one year remaining out to get six years of control of D.L. Hall and Joey Ortiz, a comp pick that uh, you know Matt Arnold can work his draft magic with with the the draft team and alike. Um, so it's just it's just something we had been prepared for. And I think I can't remember who said it, but one listener in the Discord said it was actually a fair point. Is that one of the reasons that I think you and I were so optimistic and had positive feelings about this trade is because it signals like a clear process and direction. And I think that's definitely true on my end because I think it, it makes good just business sense in terms of building a team that you're expecting to have a competitive window within like the peak of Jackson Torrio as you need other young potential regulars, even stars in some cases to grow with him and, you know, whoever pops with the Freelix, Weemers, Mitchells, uh, Tyler Black, Jacob Mizorowski, Carlos Rodriguez, whoever it may be, Robert Gasser, don't want to leave anyone out. Like, if if you're building towards that core, sending out someone that you are not going to keep after 2024 and adding in this fresh potential to the mix, it's just something you had to do. I've said it many times, I would have been fine if Corbin was leading the line this season and giving them the best shot to win the Central, but I prefer this process better because... It makes me feel really hopeful about the 2025 Brewers or the 2026 Brewers. We're going to talk about um, a move that the Brewers made to um, add some innings to the to the rotation and potentially the bullpen at times. We'll see where it shakes out. But I think I, I want to shift the direction that I talked about this because um, I think this conversation lends more to that. But uh, do you want to talk a little bit more about D.L. Hall and Joey Ortiz um, and kind of what they bring to the mix because last episode this was kind of just thrust down in front of us we didn't get to quite do some of our research and um dl hall has made comments recently um that we'll get to but i want to talk about joey ortiz because i think i sold him short uh in the last episode and just being enamored by the potential of a flame throwing left-handed starting pitcher with four pitches but the more and more that uh kind of i've read and watched video of joey ortiz i'm really excited about this piece of the trade as well uh as you know uh, Keith Law's top 100 uh, MLB prospects drop. I thought I was going to beat you to it. Now, how foolish of me to think that I would beat you to the name Keith Law. And <laughs> at the Athletic, his uh, his prospect list dropped. Um, and uh, Joey Ortiz came in at 58th on that ranking. He was 94th in 2023. So he's seen a bump up due to his performance in AAA last year. Um, I'll get to just a small portion of the capsule because I don't want you know you know want to give the whole thing away from for free. Uh he said about Joey Ortiz, he's a plus defender at short with a strong and accurate arm. And you made his swing his body during the pandemic, returning much stronger and with a swing that drives the ball effectively to the gaps and gives him a chance for 15 to 20 homers a year. His exit velocity peaked around 115 miles per hour in triple A last year and he makes contact at consistently high rates. Under 20% strikeout rates everywhere he's played except for 34 scattered plate appearances in the majors. A 280-340 450-ish hitter who adds five or so runs of value with defense is a pretty valuable player. End quote there. Yeah, I am excited about that upside for Joey Ortiz. That is the exact kind of player that like I'm drawn to. Uh, up the middle defense that's elite or at the very least very very good with high contact rates and he hits the ball hard what's not to like there um so i did i sold him short in kind of my effusive praise for dl hall last episode and i think one thing that is very true about joey ortiz and the perception around baseball or about him as a prospect is he was in the middle of an organization with just an absurd amount of up the middle talent and even talent in the outfit on the corners that he probably got lost in the shuffle when talking about the impressive Orioles prospects. Had he not been in such a loaded organization um, or had that 34 plate appearance sample in the big leagues last year, that was uh, a struggle. I think people would have been higher on him um, when seeing his name mentioned in the trade, me included. So 
sorry, I've just gone on a long monologue, Adam, uh, talking about uh, me just buying in on Joey Ortiz in the week that's gone since we talked about this trade breaking. I think the thing maybe we didn't um, sell sufficiently on the the immediate reaction podcast is that in trading away Corbin Burns, they've got. I think Ortiz is going to be an opening day starter, like likely a third base, but he could see quite a lot of time at second base this season too. So that'll keep Bryce Terang on his toes and maybe just round out the picture a little bit better there for the Brewers, given some of the concerns over Terang. Um, and then Hall, we'll get onto him in a second, but with all signs very definitively pointing to him being a starter. That's someone who's going to be in your rotation. So you've got back two starting pieces who can still kind of plausibly be described as prospects plus a draft pick for Corbin Burns in the final year of his deal. Like that is, that's the kind of thing that's very hard to turn your nose up at as much as for some there was a visceral reaction because you're getting upside, but you're also getting the ability to plug in and I guess start that developmental journey right now and hope that if those guys can click and click kind of pretty quickly, they're gonna help you to be better in the now as well. Um so so that's certainly something I mean Ortiz, it was obvious he was gonna be in the mix, but just worth zooming out even in terms of the haul from the trade, you've got what is going to be a starting pitcher. At least that's the direction the Brewers are gonna try to go at all to start the season. And I think probably the starting third baseman for the Brewers. That's not nothing. It's very far from it, particularly when those guys could potentially be factors in what you're doing for many years to come if it pans out. So, yeah, I think everything there is to like, you know, about Ortiz, you've, you've kind of laid out. I think it's also in a wider view of where things are at to mention again that prospect rankings six brewers in the top 100 if i remember correctly god i'm gonna test my memory now churio at two jefferson caro at 12 yeah Uh, pete is high on jefferson caro and that's yes you know i mean that that's been something for last year i feel like he was he was higher in consensus too um also some interesting i i know tyler black was he mid 30s mid 40s somewhere around that range um jacob miserowski was in the 90s which although it may sound yeah. low he is viewed by Law as a reliever and he noted that it is very 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 rare for him to put relief pitchers in his top 100 and he only does it when they're truly exceptional prospects and the last time that he did it was in fact for josh Hader. So that's the kind of caliber of reliever, although I think there will still be some hope amongst the Brewers and Brewers fans that Mizrowski could be a starter. If that's the worst case scenario, that's a pretty good one. Um, So the overall, just, you know, the health of the farm is really pretty spectacular when you think of six prospects in that kind of category already to graduate out very quickly. And then we already have the likes of self like Joey Weimer, Garrett Mitchell, uh, Abner Uribe, who have just made the jump. They, like, they're just fresh out of that. And that's even without, like, the Robert Gasser, I don't believe, made it. So you've got guys like that who could be fringes, could be just outside to factor in too. Like, it, this is a really, really strong group, the kind of group that you won't necessarily get to come around all that often. And in some ways, I don't know, is... Is the level of excitement for that maybe being undersold collectively? Because it feels like the end of an era that was a great era. Maybe it's not, there's not enough recognition that this is a really, really stellar group of young prospects who, like, there is, there's such a volume of them that you're going to have a number of them that are going to hit and hit meaningfully. And then if the number one guy at the top of this group hits and Jackson Churio, it's kind of, as close as you can get to, you know, oh, let's let's plan out and plot our next great team to have what could be your superstar, but also your pieces around that. 
that's very, very well worked from the Brewers. It shows great work in kind of building up in the system. And also, like the guys we were just talking about, they're continuing to make smart moves with trades to further bolster that. And even in, when we look at the trades out of that, I think they found ways to make deals without trading. I would say, honestly, anyone who feels like anything so far. Like, S.A. Ruiz was easily at the time there's no like revisionism he was the guy who felt most expendable um and the thing he's unbelievably good at yeah that showed up he can he can run he can steal bases for fun um just about everything else is kind of a challenge but i i think they've done a really impressive job of continuing to bolster the ranks of high level prospects and honestly very close to major ready prospects while not parting with some of our more talented guys in deals as well. And I mean, we'll get someone like there, there hasn't been a whole lot that just like flat out hasn't worked out. There's one guy who has officially left the Brewers. who was once the most highly touted pitching prospect in the organization. It was one of the more exciting prospect pods we ever did it was around Eaton small. And we'll talk about him shortly, but I think on the whole guys have been excited about either remain on a, solid to good trajectory or look to be working out in a way that isn't too far off from what they would have hoped for. Yeah. I want to bring it back to, to DL hall. We talked about him a lot in the last episode, obviously um, brought up as a starting pitcher, uh, found a role late in the season with Baltimore out of the bullpen and really seemed to, to lock in there and start to find some success when he had, uh, been struggling um, as a starter. We know the issue with him thus far is walks. Uh, over parts of six seasons in the minor leagues, he walked 13.4% of opposing hitters. Uh, 49 innings uh, in AAA last year, he walked batters at a 13.8% uh, rate. So whether or not he's going to be able to start and consistently turn over lineups will come down to that. Uh, command of the strike zone, whether or not he's, um, you know, handing out free passes to the degree that he did uh, previously. I mean, obviously there are um, high in the sky examples of players that uh, walk guys at a significant rate and, uh, you know, still have success. And when I say small examples, I mean, like the Blake Snells of the world. And then that's not, you're not going to count on every uh, guy with control and command problems coming up to end up being Blake Snell and somehow win two Cy Young awards. So the more likely scenario in seeing DL Hall turn into a successful starting pitcher is him getting that walk rate under control. Um, To take it back to what you said about his comments is uh, on foul territory. He, uh, he's quoted as saying, when they called me, they asked how my training had been going and what I was preparing for. Luckily I was preparing to be a starter. They want me to be a starter. Uh, End quote. He also talked about how he thought that getting into the bullpen last year uh, kind of was something that really jived with his mindset and that he just gripped it and ripped it and got to go in and be aggressive for an inning. That being said, he also said that he thinks applying that type of mindset to a starting role and being, you know, like less precise and be thinking about the end result of I need to make it through five or six innings and just going out there and pitching to a game plan is something that maybe he can take from his work in the bullpen. Obviously a lot of that will have to do with his work in the, in spring training with the Brewers pitching development and the plan that they devised for him and how he puts that plan to use. I think obviously we said it last time. We'll say it again is that with this type of talent and this type of pitch mix, you give him every single opportunity to work out as a starter. And then when it doesn't work, then you throw him back in the bullpen. Um, so just wanted to kind of sum all that up and, and kind of tie together uh, last week's episode with this week's episode on how we view these two prospects and and what they could be capable of. I just remain really excited about the Hall of Hall and Ortiz and uh, couldn't be more excited to see how they look when they get on the field. Um, you know, I would hope and expect uh, Dio Hall to be in the starting rotation uh, to begin the season. And like you said, jo- Joey Ortiz, uh, at third base or, you know, if, if something we'll talk about later uh, comes to fruition, maybe he's, they're starting shortstop and their shortstop in the future. Time will tell. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I also, you know, I shared this in our Discord. Well, I'm not a, I'm not a coward, Andrew. I'll get it out there now. Uh, the Brewers are going to win the NL Central this coming season. I, I fully believe it. I will not be backing down on it. I saw so many tweets to an extent after the trade of, like, God, this rotation is so, so bad. It really isn't. I think particularly if, if they view Hall as a starter, look, is there room for that to go wrong? Sure. Um... But they are building this thing out in a way that is not dissimilar to last year in terms of variety of options and volume. You're going to have prospects in the mix to come up and contribute. I think maybe one of the biggest kind of swing factors for the season, if I see, well, where could it go really wrong for the Brewers? I think if Wade Miley was to have a really unhealthy season, that could be a problem. But if you imagine even a year like you got from Miley last year, which had plenty of injury troubles along the way, you know, Freddie, Miley, um, I'm going to start forgetting people, getting them out of order now. But now you've got Hall in the mix, you've got Jacob Jonas, you've got Colm Ray, you've got Joe Ross. Joe Ross could potentially have Robert Gasser in the mix. Am I forgetting any other starters or kind of potential uh, starters? Jansen Junk if he doesn't go to Japan. Jansen Junk has gone to Japan. Uh, sorry, Jansen Junk. There's a new double J in town. That's like well, that's the signal he, to send it to Japan. If he goes to Japan, it's not sorry to Jansen Junk because he's probably getting a pay raise from what he's made. Uh, it's true. It's true. <laughs> um, that is not a... I understand and this is something I think... I can see where Brewers fans come from, from years of watching Corbin, Woody, Freddie as your top three guys in your rotation. The idea of what a Brewers fan views as a good, you know, starting rotation and what is actually qualifies as that, you know, around the NL Central are two very different things. And that collection of guys, and I'm not even kind of factoring in what the upside could be. Because even in terms of profile, like it's it's a younger group. There's there's some guys, Miley's the obvious exception here. I don't need saying about that, but there's there is room for some upside even in some of the flyers if they found something. And it's very hard to just overlook the fact that the brewers routinely find stuff. They they are really, really good at this. The bullpen is looking incredibly formidable, and there's every chance that again, whether it's either kind of a natural pecking order establishing itself with starters and guys falling back into the pen or someone like Mizorowski coming through the system in a, in a kind of an unstoppable blur. And by the end of the year, him being someone who's in the pen, I just feel like this overall is a really strong pitching staff and that starting group 
look around the NL Central, compare it to what the Brewers' biggest rivals have working for them. The gap is not that great, and all signs point to this being a much better offensive team. We've been burned by that before. We know it doesn't necessarily always work out like that. Injuries could be the undoing, but I still think the combination of, you know, the team that they were last year, there is enough of that still there. I think there's room for growth from the freshman last year. I think you've got room for really significant contributions. Again, one of the top prospects in all of baseball is going to be on your opening day roster. Jackson Churio has arrived. This is not the team that a lot of people want to make it out to be, which is a middle of the pack or back of the pack you know, central team. This team is going to go and it's going to push Craig Council's face into the mud, Andrew. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love the optimism there. I, I want to touch on another thing that I think will be a huge factor in the season. You mentioned Wade Miley staying healthy. I think another thing is Freddie Peralta really taking the baton as ace and running with it. Um, obviously we saw him step up his, his innings total last year. He dealt with injuries in 2022 and 2021. He threw 144 and a third innings, uh, 28 games, 27 starts in 2023, 165 and two thirds innings, 210 strikeouts on the year. Can he start to work deeper into games and have fewer of those times where the pitch counter is a, is a worry around the fourth and the fifth inning? Can he, you know, up level and give you two more starts and work into that like 180 inning range? If he can, um, that's huge for this team because, you know, uh, I feel like uh, uh, Brad Pitt or Jonah Hill or whatever in Moneyball and being like, we cannot replace Corbin Burns, but we're going to try to replace him in the aggregate. I think that's what they're going to do to a degree with this pitching staff and being able to mix and match and throw a lot of guys at the problem, potentially throw a lot of veteran guys at the problem early in the year. And then some of the younger pitchers are ready. And so you're going to have like – maybe eight or nine guys making starts. And if you have like Freddie, like really rock solid at the top of that rotation, that just allows you to get more creative elsewhere in the rotation. And I mean, you saw last year, they relied on a lot of Julio Tehran and Colin Ray to get through a season. So it can be done. A lot of people are talking about um, this rotation kind of resembling the 2018 rotation, which was a, a team that had a lot of success. So they've, use this formula before to get through a season and they can do it again. And it's like you said with Wade Miley, if, if those top two spots in the rotation are solidified with guys that are going to take the ball um, and, and go out and deliver, then what you do kind of in the middle, in the back half of that rotation um, kind of gives you a lot of more option ability and flexibility. And I think that's how they're going to approach this. I think there's enough steadiness there too, where you could just, you could find a level again. Like I kind of Corbin is gone and I'm just kind of ready to just be like, let's never mention, not never mention him again, but let's, let's not worry about even the idea of, Oh, well look at all the innings that are gone. Look at what Corbin gave them. He's gone. It's a different team. You're, you're worrying about your pitching in a completely different regard. I will say I have a degree of skepticism about Freddie Peralta stepping up and taking a next step. I just think consistency is something that for all of his talent, it plagues him a little bit. Now, still that is net out at a place where he is consistently very good. And if that's your number one guy and he's still pitching like he has really the past couple of years, that's fine. It's not going to hurt you. You're going to win a lot of games with Freddie Peralta as your ace. If you get Wade Miley pitching like he did last season, honestly, someone like Jacob Jonas and his track record, if he can kind of live up to that, you're going to get a lot of good games out of that. And this, again, comes down to your bullpen is still really, really strong, and your offense about like, looks better. Like there, I, the, the one thing I guess we haven't addressed, which I saw a lot of people grumble about, is like, how did how did Reese Hoskins feel when Corbin Burns was, was traded? Wow, and you just produced the jersey. Uh, how did he feel? Why, why did the Brewers even bother signing Reese Hoskins? I do not understand that viewpoint for a moment the Brewers needed a first baseman badly it is not the greatest position of strength within their farm system in terms of prospects there are potential solutions there but you're not overflowing and the readiness of kind of working out your corners from within isn't it's not fully there yet you sign Reese Hoskins because you are 
they're they're not like paying lip service. I think they believe and rightly believe this is still a team that's going to win a lot of games this year. This is a team that could go win a division that could be in the playoffs. And he's available. He's gettable. You've got a really young team. You need some veteran guys around. They don't need to be like guys who are just like, I don't know, um, <laughs> carrying like bags of bats around. Like you get a guy who's been around the league for a bit and is really good is going to be one of your best players uh, so i don't it doesn't compute with me andrew the idea of reese hoskins signing have being something that you know most people are like oh well that must tell us that corbin burns is here i i don't think it f- affects reese hoskins at all i'm sure like every player on this roster if you said to them would you rather have corbin burns next year or would you not they are players, their job is thinking the now, and they would want Corbin Burns. But is it materially going to affect Reese Hoskins' time as a brewer day to day? No, Corbin Burns is only pitching once every five to six days. Everything else is going to be the same. Honestly, the brewers are going to be better on the other four to five days from having added some depth and from having added some interesting prospects. I don't think it changes anything. I think he's just as important to the brewers and it, it does, again, highlight, I think, some sense of understanding from the Brewers. If anything, and we talked a little bit about this, I think I may have said it at the time when they signed Hoskins. Signing Hoskins frees you up to trade Corbin in a way that's not necessarily kind of the most apparent front and center because you can afford to give a little bit back on your pitching because you have improved your offense. You know, if you, if you had this kind of black hole still at first base, and you trade Corbin Burns, <laughs> you're you're losing on all sides. You're going to be much, much worse. That's a very different thing. But when you have made a major offensive acquisition, you can then look a little bit differently at the idea of, okay, Colin Ray might start a lot of games for this team this year. How do we feel about Colin Ray giving up four to five runs, you know, on most of the starts? Right now, they can feel pretty okay with it. Because four Colin Ray runs, you're not going to be out of the game and you're going to have a bullpen that should be able to get you home with just four runs allowed. And then it becomes, can you score four? Can you score five? I think this year they're going to say, yeah, we'll we'll take those odds. We'll take that challenge. So there's a whole lot of this. It's just like what has been Brewers baseball for our entire time watching so far and for many people who listen and many fans have been watching for much longer, really for this recent golden era, there's been a very set idea of what Brewers baseball is. Saying goodbye to Corbin, bringing in the likes of Reese Hoskins, and I think probably the continued decision-making that's going to happen over the coming weeks, months, it's something of a sea change. People are just going to have to get used to Brewers baseball is going to look a little bit different, and this team may now win in different ways than they did before, which is like good. It's so it's a change of pace. It's something different. They they didn't actually have the players to keep winning in the way that they had. You know, you can't just be like, oh well, here's the new Corbin and Woody. It just didn't quite work out like that. But you've got Jackson Churio, and you're going to set yourself up to have some other good shots. And worth mentioning, the pitching outlook has improved pretty significantly, even within. Again, I, I don't want to just keep saying Ethan Small and say we'll talk about him later because we will talk about him briefly. But when he made his debut, I remember the conversations we were having. We were all really excited, and he was kind of a major hope for someone who could go and be a rotation piece in the long run. The reality couldn't have been further from the truth. You know, pitcher I forgot when I I forgot Aaron Ashby when I listed options for the rotation earlier. Like that's yeah, someone else who's going to factor into this. But when it came to small, he was someone, and when that didn't work, we were like, things are really rough. Things are really rough in terms of pitching. Gasser and Rodriguez are on the way up. Now you've got Hall and Mizorowski as two guys who could be some of the most electric relievers in all of baseball, or they could actually pan out as starters. You've already got Abner Uribe, who's, who's shown up and shown what he can do things are looking so much better in that department. I think you've got something good going for you offensively. So yeah, look, I think overall what we're doing here is extending what we talked about last week, but these are the reasons why we feel optimistic. I, I don't think there's any kind of, there's any blind element to it. Yeah. You were saying goodbye to one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. 
and someone who's been a central piece of this franchise for a number of years guess what like we'd all we all said goodbye to him last summer because the time was up he was going for a multitude of reasons he was never going to be back on another deal and so it becomes what comes next this is what comes next and they're giving themselves a good chance that brings us to one of the new additions to the rotation uh jacob junis has been signed by yours and my milwaukee brewers it's a uh, one-year, $7 million deal in the form of $4 million for 2024 and $3 million on a buyout uh, with a mutual option for 2025. Excuse me. So we've, you, we've Did seen... you see, by the way, that this is official, official and that they've made the corresponding roster move in the last few minutes? Did you see that? Uh, I did not. Uh, do we want to... Do you, let, you let, Do you want to guess? Do you want to guess what the corresponding roster move is? Guess the corresponding move. All right. All right. There are two names in my mind. Okay. Do, do I just get is has Clayton Andrews been DFA'd? Clayton Andrews has been DFA'd. Okay. Um so how's that for great. you personally? I mean... uh Joey Ortiz is listed at five nine, so I've got another uh <laughs> shorter player to pin my hopes on. as you know, my hopes much like mine and Clayton Andrews' height was not high uh, for him. He, I've heard on podcasts and read that he's, you know, a very nice guy. Just didn't work out uh, as a major league pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, but yes, so that corresponding roster move, good. Glad uh, that that's official and we know that that's happening. Uh, so Jacob Junis um, uh, slotting into the rotation for the Brewers, a guy who pitched primarily out of relief for the San Francisco Giants last year, spent the bulk of his career with the Kansas City Royals. Something that I found out recently when researching Junis is when I was a intern for the Burlington Royals during the 2012 season, Jacob Junis apparently uh, pitched on that team. So, you know, Burlington, North Carolina, just our our, our paths crossed uh, two ships passing in the night onto uh I you think you made career. a more lasting impression on him than he seemed to make on you, considering you didn't remember that? Because it'd be uh, nice if only... we could play up on this and get him on the pod, is really what I'm saying. I mean, I'll play up that angle. I mean, I'm sure I carried... You could just share stories about Burlington. Yeah, they're not great stories. Uh, I'm sure I carried food for him and the rest of the team into a clubhouse at one point. Um Maybe picked him up from the airport as was a task that I would have to do from time to time. But, you know, I feel like I would have remembered that. Um, But anyway, uh, Jacob Junis, kind of up and down beginning half of his career as a starter with Kansas City. um, And then had uh, the best season of his career last year, primarily as a reliever, 387 ERA in 86 innings for the Giants. Um, 40 appearances for those starts worked as a multi-inning reliever when he would come in um, for relief appearances um, from what I've seen. So a guy who projects as like a, a five and dive, hopefully um, at his best, he's uh, got a sinker that uh, he pairs with a slider, which I think I read that he threw the slider 65 or 62.5% of the time in 2023. So a pitch that's uh Fairly nasty, apparently, according to some of the things I've seen. You know, Saris uh, posting him, I think it was 15th uh, in Stuff Plus on his slider last season. So if the Brewers can work with him on having another effective pitch or two, obviously we've seen guys come in and have success throwing uh, that sinker uh, with the Brewers. So get him in the pitching lab and like see what they can do to the pitch mix alongside that slider to make him more effective more times through the order. Great. But... Overall, I think the exact type of rotation depth signing that they needed after the, the Burns trade, and they went out and got it done. Um, we were last podcast. I was scrolling through lists of free agents and kept coming across uh, left-handed starters. And you were like, "What? What do you think's next?" And I was, I was like, "Right-handed starter. I just don't know who it is." And uh, Jacob Junis, welcome to the party. Um, you know, if it works out that enough of the young pitchers are ready later into the season, that they can slot into the rotation and. You don't need Junis in that role. Maybe he slots into a multi-inning relief role. So it seems like a lot of versatility with Junis, but would expect him to 
uh, land a spot in that opening day rotation. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And you need some of that versatility. I mean, Colin Ray will fit a pretty similar bill, and that is if you are... Let's say, for example, um, if, if you're going to be going with this experiment with Hall as a starter and if you expect some bumps on that, there might be some games where, yeah, you need someone to come in and give you kind of multiple innings of relief to to bridge that gap. I, I think that's part of the overall construction of what they're doing here with the pitching staff, which, again, I'm quite happy with. You can see a part where lots of guys could slot in and become steady starters. And you could see where if the staff is more in flux, you've got guys who can slot into different roles and they can kind of cobble innings together, which might be required. As for Jonas, he's trending in the right direction the past couple of seasons, started well in his career, slightly rockier patch and seems to work something out. It's kind of interesting for him to have had one of, if not the best seasons of his career to date, and now to be coming to the Brewers and the pitching lab. Um, if they can help him to continue trending upwards, that'll be very nice. Uh, as you said, diving in the slider, that would certainly be a win, as, as it's particularly nasty already, but also rounding out and seeing what else is there. There's always something that we may not necessarily anticipate, and then when the tidbits kind of start to come out of what the Brewers have spotted or what they want to work on, They've always seen something in a picture that they feel like we can add this. This is there. It's ready to go. So we'll see on that front. But this is a very, very kind of solid signing to me. And yeah, to your point and from where we were in the last pod, it's exactly the kind of player they needed. And honestly, in some ways, maybe a little bit better than we thought was kind of easily out there and gettable. They did have to pay a meaningful enough price for him. Um. But that's also probably reflective of, hey, well, look around. As we said, the abundance of right-handed options wasn't exactly there. And there is no point saving all of that money. And we certainly wouldn't be patting them on the back for saving all of that money when you're getting off of Corbin's deal. And then being like, we could do it with a right-handed pitcher, but you know, we're not even going to overpay for one year to get the right guy in the mix. We're just going to save that money instead. So... I think it's noteworthy that they paid seven and a half million, right? Was the the number on it? Seven million, so four four million seven. on the salary uh, this season, and then three million dollar buyout with the mutual option. Okay, I think it's it's not a little, but it's also what they had to do. Uh, so more about that pick uh, pitch mix. So it looks like last year, obviously through that slider, a hell of a lot. Um, plus five or five. Plus five run value via baseball savant. The sinker was minus nine. He threw that the second most amount, 26.5% uh, through 9.9% changeups, and then through 15 fat forcing fastballs all the rest of the season. So, yeah, honing in on a second and third pitch that can be uh, effective behind that uh, slider would be great. The, the sinker wasn't really working out last year. Seems like the you know the change up was close to neutral, although he didn't throw it a ton. So, yeah, we'll be interesting to see what they've seen in the the video and the data, and like what he comes out looking like in spring training and early in the season. But at the very least, I think a signing that they had to have and a guy that um, could slot in well to this team in in the same way that a, that a Colin Ray did last year. Um, I think that's all I've got on Junis. Obviously, we know now about uh, Ethan Small, who we mentioned earlier, who was DFA'd uh, to make room on the 40-man after the D.L. Hall and Joey Ortiz acquisitions, uh, has now been traded to the Giants for cash. Uh, so it makes, even though you know, uh, Junis was a free agent, it makes us very much feel like in your brain when you read it in the same article, like it was a Junis for Small swap, even though that is not what it was. But yeah, Small, a guy that, you know, we had uh, optimism on early days of this podcast. Um, 
partially because uh, I watched college baseball and it was a name I had known from watching college baseball when Ethan Small was a very good starting pitcher at Mississippi State, and also because of the state of Brewer starting pitching prospects at the time when they did not have the um, bountiful potential that they now have in front of them as we talk about uh, the Brewers system in 2024. So goodbye, we'll to Ethan Small. We'll always have, what was it, like his first three innings of his first major league start where it all it all looked good until he had to try and you know go through the through the order for a second time and uh, we couldn't even dream of getting beyond that that's initially though it was like oh he's kind of got it and then it was oh no oh no very quickly never recovered and it's kind of a memory now but we did talk about it a little bit it doesn't feel like the brewers I don't know. It was like that they felt they saw a lot and they learned a lot there and maybe they saw too much and learned too much all in one go. But it, he didn't get a whole lot of bites. They weren't rushing out to that, but also maybe his confidence never recovered because he didn't earn his way back to that easily. And we got one other brief look at him, right, last year in relief, and that didn't go well either. So, yeah, that's it's just that's tough. Um, That's the, the part you don't want to see. A guy who was was probably like the sixth ranked prospect in the Brewer system at one point. Um, you don't want to see that kind of trajectory for for someone who we did have real hopes for. But it happens. You're you're not gonna win on on every single one of them. I just have one here. Um, Reese Hoskins, I see in the last hour as we record this, has been on MLB Network Radio, and he's been talking about why. He went to the Brewers. You've gone to get your Reese Hoskins jersey again. Um, he basically has cited them as a winning franchise, as in as a franchise that just consistently more years than not, they've got themselves back there for four of the five last year, four of the last five years even, um, being a playoff team. And he also noted that he did manage to get a deal that had some nice flexibility in it too, that he had options going forward. So, yeah, I think that goes to it. I think for Hoskins, like, there's... I've talked about, like, it, there's... He may just opt out, and that might be how that goes beyond that. But let's say if this season isn't the season that everyone would like, but the potential is really clear and obvious... I don't think it's a given that he wouldn't be around beyond that. I think you, he sees the Brewers as an organizational fit, as in a place that could give him a chance for some interesting runs. They're paying him well. And I wouldn't be surprised that if the Brewers have a really strong season and the, the kind of the young guys look the part, that he may not be even more inclined to think about, hey, why not do this again? Yeah, I mean, winning organization. Adam just predicted the Brewers to win the uh, NL That's Central. It. They're so going to be a winning organization. So, you know, we're going to get to see uh, Reese swing in the playoffs again. And, you know, that's going to be very exciting. Uh, as you know, like I said, I want to have, you know, one, like, random Brewers jersey a season. Uh, that can be a guy who was there just for, like, a, a blink of an eye, which could be Hoskins or it could not. So You're now I've got Kana. You're gonna have more okay. than one. You're averaging more than one comfortably so far. This season hasn't even started. You've got your one for this year. Is this what you're telling me, Andrew? I've got two unique ones from last year. We've got Bryce Terang, Agent Zero, which obviously now That's truly is a relic unique. of a of a past life. Uh we've got Canna, blink of an eye. He was here and then he was gone. And now I've got Hoskins. We'll see what else shakes out. I mean Leader in the clubhouse for my next jersey is Joey Ortiz, so we'll see what happens when we're there in May. You, you like if Jackson Churio hits in the Jackson Churio way, you might find it hard to not have a Jackson Churio jersey. Like I did, this is all this is inevitable. You might have to get multiple at the next juncture. We we may move the average above two per season. I'm not putting the past here. I might have to build an extension on my house uh, to fit all of these jerseys. But anyway, uh, Adam, we've touched on um, more about Joey Ortiz and D.L. Hall. We've said goodbye to Ethan Small and Clayton Andrews and Corbin Burns again to a degree. We've talked about the rotation, the mixing and matching. 
um, and the potential there around the prospect pitchers and their development throughout the season. I guess there's only one more thing to really touch on. I will say one thing that we did not mention last episode, I don't think, because we got caught up in all the, you know, the the razzle-dazzle of a big trade was uh, Christian Arroyo signed to a minor league deal. Um, so infield depth compete for a spot on the Brewers bench spent last year um, with the Boston Red Sox, I think. Primarily a second baseman, but I think he's played all infield positions. Um, don't know if uh, he will find himself a home on the opening day roster, um, but that's that. Yeah, spent uh, most of his career, it looks like, in Boston. Also stopping uh, San Francisco with the Giants, Tampa with the Rays, Cleveland with the Guardians. Uh, was a former first-round pick, I believe, by the Giants. Um, in the 2013 draft, so obviously has not lived up to that uh, first-round pedigree, but um, everything I've heard from my my Red Sox friends is he's regarded as a pretty great guy in the clubhouse and, you know, one of those types of guys you like to have around uh, for the versatility in a bench role. But, uh, yeah, we'll see if he works his way into the mix with the Owen Millers and the Andre Monasterios of the world. Um yeah, I'm, I'm sure you don't have too much on Christian Royo, do you, Adam? Uh, I mean, I might have had something if you'd asked me last week. Now, though, I really I have nothing. He's gone down. Sorry, Christian, he's gone down the priority list. Anywho, uh, I guess that brings us to the last talking point. Obviously, we expect the Brewers to continue to try and be competitive in 2024, and we think there are a lot of realities that see them achieve those goals. Um, you've spoken it into existence, Adam. I, I will say uh, one thing uh, to give your prognosticating, you know, at least uh, directionally bump in the right direction. People laughed at you, Adam, when you said the Cleveland Cavaliers were going to win the Eastern Conference uh, in the National Basketball Association. I don't think they're going to chase down the Celtics, but they are red hot and they are up to second place in the Eastern Conference. You saw the vision, and despite the injuries, if if not the injuries and the troubles, Adam, would they be top of the Eastern Conference? They might be. So I'm going to give you credit for that on a baseball podcast and say, don't don't doubt this man, and and doubt the Brewers. Have have faith in the Brewers. Honestly, um, it's the perfect place to give me the credit because the people who would want to disparage it aren't listening. So I really appreciate you giving me the credit and what is you know a safer space for that. No, I I, I, I saw the, I I saw the comments at the time. Just five games, a few, five a, games is a lot. They're they're not gonna get. They're not gonna get five games. People were people were shocked. But listen, the IC with the IC, and I may wear glasses, but my eyes don't fail me too often, Andrew. I wear the I glasses. That's the thing. If I left the glasses off, it's a different problem. I was mad on your behalf, so I had to bring it up when I was looking at the NBA standings today because I thought the Bucks were still in second. I was like, you know, a tough stretch for them. And then I saw the Cavs sitting there, and I was like about to play the, the dashboard confessional, um, but I didn't. I didn't. Um, last thing we should talk about is, you know, Matt Arnold vaguely talking about in the post-Corbin Burton trade uh, comments that, you know, they would be open to having conversations if they made sense or how he phrased it. Um, Devin Williams and Willie Adamas. Uh, Willie Adamas in the last year before he will hit free agency. Uh, Devin Williams has another year beyond that. I'll say what first I'll say on Devin and then I'll turn it over to you. Uh, I think we're both on the same page on Devin, not, not trading him in this offseason. You hang on to him until at least the deadline and even, even maybe next offseason or beyond and you you look, see what that looks like when you know what some of your pitching prospects are and whether or not they're starters or relievers. Um, and I, I think you're on the same page with me there. Mm-hmm. When it comes to Willie Adamas, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Because I, I have thoughts, and they're kind of not not all over the place, but I could, I could see it going two different directions. My thoughts are consistent with what my thoughts were on Corbin Burns, and Corbin Burns being traded doesn't change them. If you can get a good deal and if you can kind of take away some of the emotion from that. And if also, I think you can survey the division you are in. I think this remains really important. What it takes to be competitive in this division is not what it may be in some other places. I I really, I expected some of these teams to kick on in a major way this offseason and they haven't. 
They really haven't. And that opens a door for the Brewers that they might just want to walk through, which is you could make yourself an even more kind of commanding presence and even more formidable power in this division for years and years to come than you already have been. Because this is kind of the moment where if you were a fan of the Cubs, certainly it's a like the Cardinals with their their voodoo, Andrew. This would usually feel like this should be when they strike. They're not really striking. We know the Reds and Pirates have things going in interesting ways because they have truly bottomed out and there's plenty for them to be excited about. But it, there's no one that's just like money on the table, right? Just going to throw down the gauntlet to the Brewers and just try and take this thing away from them and make it that it's a sizable gap for the Brewers to play catch-up. And with that, I do think it's possible, particularly you've already got a really good prospect back who is ready to be a starter in Ortiz, that if the right deal becomes available and the right deal again might be for that type of profile player you want more quality prospects but quality prospects who are ready to start their journey now uh, i think that's that's probably it it's like can we can we feel the team that's going to be heavy on guys who are just starting out but they're they're at the point where they are ready to start out we're not forcing this along i think if you can do that and you're happy with the quality of player coming back you gotta listen. Like it's again, it's just being being prudent about it. If nothing materializes that's really compelling, I think you're already set up in a really good way. Maybe I, I could make the case for Willie being there gives you a healthier balance of youth and experience. Which it even feels weird talking about Willie in that regard, but it, it is the truth at this point, where maybe for like competitive kind of balance within your roster and for just getting I don't know, setting the tone right, you don't want to go too young all to one side. You'd still have, of course, the likes of Yelly, the likes of Hoskins, but it might have kind of the perfect balance right now. I wouldn't be afraid of tipping it just slightly to the younger side of the scales, though, if the return was good enough. And I that's it's kind of as simple as I don't think Matt Arnold is just going to make this trade for the sake of it. I think... If this trade gets made, I would imagine it's something we're going to look at and most people will just kind of immediately say, yeah, I can see what I've done. It Like it's, it'll be compelling enough that whether people would have wanted to do it or not, they'll be able to see it in a way where, yeah, okay, well, it makes sense. And it could honestly prove to be a key decision in building what's next. Yeah, I'm on the same page. I do like the idea of, Willie being the stabilizing uh, veteran presence on this team, as you have a lot of prospects ready to. Particularly either... in the infield, like if you were to trade yeah. him, you you could end up with like Bryce Terang maybe being the only non-rookie in your infield or something, and that's yeah, that's tough. So I I'm comfortable with both options if if you're blown away with the deal, like if you get a similar return for Adamas that you got for Burns, and I think you could because he's an everyday player and elite defensive sh- shortstop with insane power uh, when he's right, uh, you should have a high ask- asking price. If the Dodgers come calling with two of their right-handed pitching prospects that are close to the major leagues, like the uh, Emmett Sheehan's of the world or River Ryan, Gavin Stone, Nick Frasso, if if you can land two of those guys and maybe throw in Kenosha's own Gavin Lux for good measure, uh, who is right now projected, to, I think, to be the Dodgers' uh, everyday shortstop, although I think most probably consider him a second baseman in the long term. Uh, if the Dodgers want to continue their building of this Death Star that they've got going in uh, Los Angeles and they come calling with a godfather offer like that, it gives you a lot of value. I think Matt Arnold says yes, and I think he should say yes in that um, case. And that's probably what he's holding out for. Uh, like we said, we've got just uh, a week until pitchers and catchers are uh, in Phoenix at spring training. So you'd think something, if it's going to happen, would happen sooner rather than later. But I think you got a lot of options here. Um, too long, didn't read. Don't trade Devin this offseason of what's left of it. 
trade Willie only if you get the right offer. I wish I think it's been consistent with our uh, take uh, throughout this offseason. And you know, it's tough for me to say even something hinting at Willie Adamas not being on this team because I love Willie Adamas dearly. I love his cannon of an arm. I love his homers. I love his playfulness on the field. So if he's back there at shortstop and him and Bryce Trang or him and Joey Ortiz or him and whoever are turning sick double plays, I'm going to enjoy that. But if the Brewers can continue to um, build out this long-term outlook by adding more pieces to the puzzle, great. Um, I really, to to bring it down to what do I think will happen, honestly, I have no idea. and I've stopped guessing <laughs> because uh, the Dodgers really are the only team that are that obvious fit in my mind. Maybe the Giants as well, but I'm I struggle to come up with a, a package from the Giants that really uh, kind of gets my heart pumping. Yeah, I think that's fair. And even just to to go on what you said about Devin to start with, I I don't think you trade Devin this season unless you're you're flamed out. Like unless you're not going to be a playoff team, and that's clear. I I don't. You can trade him next off season. Like you, the flexibility is there. I don't think you need to really get out ahead of that. And with relievers, I, I don't think the value is going to be there. Now, the one interesting thing with this is obviously the Brewers really could be trading from a position of strength on that, which is a wild thing to say about a, a guy of Devin Williams' caliber. But if Abner Uribe goes and has another season like he had last year, and maybe Mizorowski's on the way up, and again, who knows if Hull looks like a starter or we start to think, well, he may be more of a reliever. They're really incredible options to have when you're getting towards a spot where you're like, yeah, we're probably going to need to trade Devin Williams because we're not going to be paying his next deal. And frankly, they may not have to. That is still a big call where those guys are at. But if you're going to give yourself the best chance to have had, I mean, and it's we've seen them do it. It's what they did with Hayter. I mean, we had more of a spell of those two guys together. But ultimately, when you trade Hayter, you can trade Hayter because of who Devin Williams already is. And we may not be as far down that road, but I, I think they've certainly laid out the building blocks in all the right places to feel good about that too. So I, I think on both of those fronts, like you don't have to do anything. Corbin felt Corbin felt bigger. I think a starting pitcher of that caliber, that is one where you've got to make the move. You've still got time on your side with Devin anyway. Willie is just, I think, an interesting case in the middle and you're just going to, see what way the wind blows, I guess, and see who comes calling them if there is anything that might just work for you. As you said, a team like the Dodgers, like you might just have this perfect storm where you actually get what could be an even better return than you might want. It just might suit another team to part with a certain type of player, and it might suit you in that case to say, okay, we are we are cool with moving on from, from Willie. So we'll see. They, If I'm the Dodgers, I'm offering just whatever the Brewers ask for to get Willie. I know Willie's coming off the down season and everything. We know what he does at his best. We know there have been uh, hot and cold streaks over the last few seasons that have kind of, uh, you know, made it uh, a mixed bag. I think he, many times last season, called it a weird season for him offensively, and I think that's true. But let's, you know, pull back. Like, if he's the starting shortstop for the Dodgers – he walks into a lineup with uh, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Will Smith, Shohei Otani, uh, Teoscar Hernandez, James Altman, who had a good rookie year, uh, Max Muncy. So what is like Willie Adamas, like your eight or your nine hitter in this scenario? Like, that's pretty good. And uh, so if I'm the Dodgers, I'm doing like, yeah, just pick some of our prospects, like not not Dalton Rushing, uh, not uh, the outfielder that I think everybody likes. I can't remember his name. I was looking at uh, Law's list. Like you can't you can't have Dalton Rushing and you can't have this screen load Jose DePaula, the outfielder. But you know, pick two other ones and then you know call us when you want it. If I'm the Dodgers, I'm doing that because nothing matters except the immediate moment for them because every season now for them is going to be world series or bust um yeah 
but no indication that that's the way the wind is blowing right now. I haven't seen any reports or anything. Uh, but if something like that does break over the next few days, few weeks, whatever it may be, Adam and I will talk about it probably with, you know, glowing, glowing reviews, because for some reason, that's the way things are trending. Maybe we're getting soft in our old age. Less angry. I don't know. I'm I'm not going to really go out on a limb on that, because I think we could definitely get angry and probably will again at some point. But um, you know what? Maybe we just see the vision. Maybe Not... maybe we're wrong on that. Maybe we're right, but maybe we just we see what Matty Arnold is putting putting out there. He's putting it up. We can see it. Like it may not exist. No one else may see it, but we see it. And for now, that matters. A couple of months from now, a year from now, multiple years from now, that could be a very different story. The uh, the joy and pain is in the journey, Adam and. We're all in this together, folks, so jump on board. Is that it? I think that's probably all we got, right? Yeah, I just got a text that said check your email, so I hope that's not bad. But anyway, um, that's all I got. All right. That does it for this episode. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. That's Cruising for a Bruising for all things Milwaukee Brewers. You should check out Years at Podcast Network, the main feed, GSPN, home to all things Milwaukee books. That's winning six with Tywin Sharon Cotty. And that's sides of the wrong way around. Those we haven't saw podcasts, I assure everyone. Winning six with me and Jordan Tresky and the Eurostep with Tywin Sharon Cotty. You'll have a pot of some sort on Thursday. We'll see how the trade deadline plays out. Maybe there's a trade, maybe there isn't for the books. We'll react one way or another, some combination of some or all of us. Talking to Tundra, we'll have you covered throughout the offseason for all things Green Bay Packers, and if you're into movies, pop culture, and all that kind of stuff, make time for this. That's the name of our podcast. And we talk about all of that, Andrew and I, so you can hear more from us. As always, thanks to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. <laughs>